You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's on the silk. It's your boy, 35, the All-American. And Dan. Dan, you in 35, man. What's the vibes like, man? I had a beautiful weekend. Dan, how you been doing? I had a great weekend, man. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about it on Saturday. Got out into the, uh, got out in Tampa, uh, did some protesting, did some, some walking around with some folks. Uh, it was pouring down rain. Um but uh, but we made it out there. We walked for about two hours uh, before we uh, before we split off. But a uh, really really great uh, sight to see, and, and it was it was an awesome place to listen. Uh, and that's what I did. I do a lot of talking in my life. Uh, this time I just did a lot of listening. So it was, uh, it was great to see. And I'm going to continue to be a part of that and continue to try to figure out what what my role is and what I can do to try to help uh, you know make things uh, a little bit better, a little bit more equitable for for everybody. But uh, that's the second one I went to. I went to one last Tuesday. Uh, I kind of ran into that one uh, when I was downtown, and then uh, and then this one. So um, it's been good, and, and I plan on uh, continuing need to go to them as long as they still have them. I appreciate those vibes, good brother. I'm still um, so, so I, I mean, I don't even want to talk about my weekend. You know, the person on the show that ain't got out there, bro. We about to get you out of here. We, about to, we might have to cancel a mob. Um, then you know, I don't know. <laughs> we have to cancel. A I'll mob. teach you a couple so, new words of the week that I heard. Yeah. This week. <laughs> <laughs> we were flooded in up here in Gainesville, man. I'm, I'm telling you, it literally ran for about well, damn marks in his flood, bro. I don't want to hear nothing. Nah, man, there wasn't, wasn't, no wasn't no marching in this flood up here, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, what bro. Into, but, um, man? Yeah, just yeah, chill. Yeah, we, we we sat in, man. We uh we really didn't do anything. My daughter went to um her teammates' house and stayed the night. And uh, you know, you know when you remember when you was little and you know you'd be in the backseat of your parents' car, or whatnot, and you and your friend back there plotting, trying yeah. to like stay the night, trying to figure out how y'all going. You know, ask. Oh, you know, I know. Like, ask, am I gonna ask? You know how that go. Yeah. So this is what my daughter and her friend like to do. They like to they like to stay the night at each other's house and then have that parent text the other one and ask, can they stay the night to the uh, the opposite one's house? So my daughter stayed the night to her friend's house on Friday, and then they both stayed the night at our house on Saturday. Nice. So yeah, they they, they got that all figured out. So uh, you know, we we pretty much did that. So uh, stayed in and uh. Caught some vibes, man. It was, it was some ra- rainy weekend. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah big, there, there big, some storm. Yeah, big rain here. I think the whole state was kind of covered, covered in some rain. Um, I got out and protested as well. Um, more on Saturday than Sunday. Sunday, I wasn't out there as long. I couldn't. I didn't want to catch pneumonia, so I had to get up out of there, man. But um, Saturday was, was quite the journey. We walked all the way from downtown West Palm to Southern Boulevard. So it's like from uh, the courthouse to Southern. Anybody that's familiar with Palm Beach County, know that's a journey. A good like five six miles. Uh, Kale saved me on the way back, so I didn't have to walk. Um, but that was about it, man. I just been chilling. I wanted, to, I like to take my son out to work out and do that that type of stuff on the weekends too. But the, the weather ain't been permitting it, man. Mm-hmm. I need this weather to be good on Friday, though, Dan. It looks like the weather's looking good, boys. So you and I will be out there. We'll have some shorts, uh, some stories to uh, to share next week. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I'm looking, boat, I'm looking man. Do some boat to shenanigans, man. That's, 
That's my that's the life I need to be living, Dan. I appreciate you for coming putting this boat life in my life a little God, bit. God, I, I completely forgot. I went out for uh, just a, a little bit on, on Friday uh, and maybe might uh, head out for a little bit on, on this Wednesday. And then obviously you and I got you to You forget all- the flex on us. You forgot yeah. to tell them. You forget to flex on us. You know, it, it's because it's becoming such a habit now. You know, you sometimes yeah. you just forget. You know, but you uh, and then yeah, we got it all day Friday. So and then a mob whenever you're in town, bro, I got you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but uh, before we do that, um, I want to give a uh, just a, a quick plug. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you've you've seen me plug this. There is a a four year old that is close to a, a person that's close to my life uh, that was diagnosed with leukemia about a month ago. So we're doing a a GoFundMe there. All of the money's going to uh, to their family or to pardon me to his uh, to his family as they support. They live up in the Pennsylvania um, uh, Valley High. Valley area up there. So uh, we're trying to raise some money uh, to go support their uh, their family. Uh, the mom had to uh, to leave her job to, to you know provide all around care. Uh, but he's been in and out of the hospital. He um, he had uh, some uh, a port infection and that that spread to his uh, bone in his leg. And then he has a few other things. So a couple complications early on. But uh, if you check out the GoFundMe, uh, we retweeted on the stadium in Gale. Um, uh, link as well or, or, or Twitter as well. But if you could take a look at that, uh, don't necessarily feel compelled to donate. If you do, it would be really appreciated. But if you could share that uh, to don't those that compelled. do. Feel yeah. compelled. Uh, I need you, you know, to feel a little compelled. Help the jit out, man. Help the yeah. family out. Yeah, they, they they could they could really use uh, they could really use your help. And, and speaking of which, I want to give a big shout out to uh, to Adam Lewis from the Thomas Firm, and we'll get into them a little bit more. But uh, but he's been a, a great supporter of it as well. So so thank you guys. Alrighty, man. Perfect. Well, let's uh, let's get into the show. Uh, we just talked about them, but uh, talking about them again, and, and we're actually going to hear from uh, from Jed Lewis, who is the uh, the partner or the managing partner of the uh, the Thomas Firm here in a few minutes. Uh, but this episode of Stadium Gill, as always, is sponsored by our good friends over. Uh, pardon me, Jed Thomas. Sorry, um, over at the Thomas Firm. Um, the Thomas Firm handles all uh, your insurance claim for property damage uh, to your homes or businesses. Uh, their lawyers uh, do have over 20 years of experience handling roof damage and leaks from storms, water damage, hail damage, hurricane damage, which we're going to talk about hurricane preparedness here in a bit, sinkholes uh, and fires. They're going to do work all over the state of Florida and no claim is going to be too big or too small for them. So if you suspect that you do have any damage to your home, give them a call. And that's the Thomas firm, uh, a call for your free consultation to ensure that your insurance company is going to pay what you're owed for the complete repair of your home. Uh, There is no charge uh, unless you recover uh, what is owed from the insurance company. So give them a call. It's 813-221-2525. Again, 813-221-2525. And that's the Thomas firm. All right, boys, uh, some news in the Gator world. Uh, we'll just knock out this one quickly. Uh, it looks like Florida is going to play Illinois and Oregon. Uh, oh, pardon me. They're going to play Illinois and then Oregon's going to face Iowa State in the first round of the 2020 Emerald Coast Classic for basketball. So anyway, get moving. I can't, moving. Wait. I can't <laughs> wait to see Mike White in action. That's what I'm waiting for. That's the news I was waiting for right there, Dan. Appreciate You're welcome. It, You're welcome. Um, but uh, but but uh, deeper and sadder news that uh, that is important to bring up is a uh, former Gator wide receiver, um, six-year uh, NFL pro, uh, Rishay Caldwell, whose brother Andre Caldwell also played for the Gators, uh, was shot and killed uh, here in Tampa on Saturday night. So uh, we wish condolences to the uh, to the family of uh, of Rishay Caldwell. Yeah, can we start 2020 already, man? That was just sad news. That, um... And just so when it feels like you're getting a little bit more good news and, and a little positivity, you just get something just totally negative and out the, out, out the blue, man. So rest in peace um, to the Caldwells, man. Um, 
prayers out to the whole family and Bubba as well. Man, it was also a Gator man. So rest in peace, Ahmad. Uh, that it was a tough one to, to swallow. Uh, you know, it, it's always tough, especially when you know it's it's a it's a former Gator. You know, and um, it, it's a guy that you know I didn't really know that well, but you know I played with Bubba. Um, you know, but you know. At the end of the day, when our Gator brothers is, is lost, so um, we pray for the family. We pray for everybody that was involved with, with the situation and whatnot. And you know, um, I wish we could throw twenty twenty away, man. I'm, I'm with you, so yeah. It started off with Kobe, um, went into some COVID, then went into a whole revolution. <laughs> and now, now bubble, man. So it's unfortunate, man. Everybody got to keep keep you know what I'm saying spirits high, stay prayed up, man. Just Troubling times, man. We're gonna get through it, man. This this it's what we do. It's America. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so rest in peace to uh, to Riche, uh Caldwell. Um, in other news, Johnny Brown, uh, commitment defensive tackle, 6'2", 250 pound four star, uh, number seventeen defense tackle in the country. Johnny Brown was uh, had signed his letter of intent to uh, come to the University of Florida, uh, and it looks like he is not going to be making it. He's going to be enrolling in junior college. Uh, boys, that is the, I believe, sixth player over the last two years uh, that has not made it to campus. And I believe the it's either the eighth or the tenth player during Dan Mullen's time to not uh, play a snap before they uh, left campus. Cause for concern? Man, you got to also look at it, too. Um, and those are the things that I look at. Yeah, I've seen people blaming the coach. But is the coach in the, you know, I mean, taking the test with the dude? Is the coach doing his homework? Like, at what point do you got to be accountable? So you expect that player not to be accountable as a senior, but. I think the fans are holding the uh, coach accountable for. Uh, what is recruiting. it? You use the whole cycle on this kid, right? Uh, your resources, your, your visits, whatever you had to do to recruit this kid, you spent on him a year. If he doesn't qualify to get in, that whole year of recruiting him and spending resources on him seems like a waste of time that we could have spent elsewhere. Yeah, true. But you got to understand, dog. It, it, I mean, some guys do make it. You get what I'm saying? So, hey, yeah. take this risk on. Let, let's let's see if this guy actually is one of those guys that pan out. We got too many not making it, though. That's the problem. I think I think you're stomaching like one or two of those. Maybe at that rate, it's still not good to have any. But I think if you have one or two of those cycle, people kind of get it. But the rate we're going, um, and I don't know what's going to happen with Leonard Manuel as well. That's another uh, mm-hmm. same type of situation. I think we all kind of knew Johnny Brown was a little suspect this whole cycle, and so is Leonard Manuel. So I'm not going to lose my lid because mm-hmm. this whole t- entire cycle, I kind of knew that those guys were iffy with getting in. True. And um, so once they don't get in, I got like I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to lose my mind over. It. I think sure. our defensive tackle recruitment has been real good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nothing to lose your shit about. And uh, we just gotta we gotta up our recruiting staff and, and just evaluate and spending our time on the right dudes. You know what I'm saying? Getting guys that, that got good grades, that already meeting the standard that we don't have to worry about stressing towards the end. I know some guys are gonna just have issues and you, and you take the chances here and there, but I think we're taking too many chances here and there, and we're getting burned at the end. Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree. I think that uh, Ahmad, you you make a, a salient point and one that is uh, probably the most important that it 
it is on the player to qualify. Uh, there's a lot of resources that they have both on campus uh, at their high school and that, that the university can provide as well to make sure that they're uh, adequately prepared to make sure that they um, are able to academically qualify. However, you know, Silk, you make a point. It's kind of the point that I've been making too, is it's a, it's a, a huge use of resources to get a guy because I think Johnny Brown was committed for probably a year and a half. Um, and so that's a, a long time. You missed on, you didn't miss on some, pardon me, you you didn't sign a, a few other people uh, because of that. So so losing him, and, and I think Johnny Brown is a beast. I, you know, I hope that he's able to do well in junior college, and I hope that he's able to come to Florida because I do think he's going to have a, a productive college and potentially NFL career. But losing a guy like him, no matter what, you know, now puts you in a position where you're now again one scholarship short. And could they use the transfer portal to potentially get somebody? Sure. But you want to be able to get these guys in, and as much as Dan Mullen is a guy that's always used transfers and often used JUCO players, you, you do want to get these guys that you're able to develop for those four or five years rather than, you know, really just hoping that the transfer portal is going to give you, you know, something somewhere. Because Dan Mullen's been hitting, but there might be a, you know, a time that he doesn't hit as often or, or you know, he whiffs on a guy or two. And, and you know, having a guy like Johnny Brown, you know, that has good, um, you know, really good potential, good size, uh, you know, is a miss out. But you know, we got to hope, uh, you know, for Johnny Brown that, that he's able to get to junior college, uh, perform well. And then, you know, similar to, um, you know, Hammond and uh, Dewan uh, Black that are coming to, to campus next year uh, and committed that hopefully uh, Johnny Brown can do the uh, do the same thing. Um, on the world of uh, recruiting, I guess we can touch on this. I don't know if there's much to talk about uh, other than um, Florida uh, did lose out uh, today. Um, on a um, on a running back uh, commitment, he uh, decided to go uh, to Louisville. Uh, Trevion Cooley. Uh, from North Carolina, a three-star running back, uh, offered relatively recently uh, by the Florida Gators staff. Uh, there was some crystal balls in his favor uh, to Florida, uh, one from a notable Blake Alderman, uh, but ultimately decides to sign with Louisville. Uh, Florida has been missing uh, in the running back room. This is so far halfway through this cycle. Still don't have a running back commit. Uh, last year, I uh, had zero running back commits as well. A year before that, had uh, Naquan Wright. So, uh, Silk, Ahmad, um, Amada probably don't have too much of an opinion, but um, again, cause for concern. Yeah, cause for concern is like being cause for concern. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's not even a new alert. It's the yeah. same alarm that's been going off since since like this staff arrived at running back position. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank God we got transfers uh, with Lingard that came in and whatnot. And I mean, Damian Pierce really was Sider's land. We just kept him in the fold. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know, man. Knox hasn't landed a running back. I mean, the way who you land, um, just my man, right? That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. Hey, on, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah bro. The standard is the standard. Anybody that puts on the logo needs to be held up to the standard. And at this point, bro, like this is way below below outstanding with running back recruiting, dog. Like this, we don't lose recruits to to, to Louisville of all mm-hmm. places. You know what I'm saying? Like Louisville, bro. What? Louisville. Come on, bro. I still want to give the kid like a drug test in a in a psyche valve. <laughs> I still don't think he realized like there ain't nothing to compare here football wise, program wise, education post career wise. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to compare here. But when Greg Knox is involved, dog, I don't know, bro. Um, I love the staff. I love everybody around it, dog. But Greg Knox got to They got to do something, man. He, he's yeah. not in that running back coach as far as recruiting. And, and then, it, it, he could be a good coach, but eventually he's not going to have nobody to coach back there. 
Well, and that's, I guess, my biggest concern is, you know, Florida has used running backs pretty well last season, was kind of an anomaly, but still got a guy drafted in, what, the third round. Uh, Florida's in a really interesting and precarious situation, right? I mean, Damian Wright, or Damian Pierce, pardon me, is a uh, a junior now. Um, if he has a really good year, realizes, hey, maybe, you know, my draft stock is what it is, and he leaves, you know, Lorenzo Lingard, as much as we want to hope and pray that he is that five-star athlete uh, that he was coming out of high school, you know, he still needs to prove it on the football field, uh, you know, and so there is a huge opportunity and Naquan Wright still has a lot to prove, a, a ton to prove, right? Uh, Malik Davis still hasn't fully recovered or, or didn't seem to look like he fully recovered. Uh, and then Iverson Clements back there and he hasn't done much either. So there's a huge opportunity. And to me, it's kind of baffling, you know, why some of these even not even your elite running backs necessarily, but even your run of the mill, you know, a high three star, four star guys are, are not looking at Florida when there is a huge opportunity uh to, to play. Um, right. it's, it's like I said, it is baffling uh, because you're, you're losing guys uh, that you shouldn't lose. You're losing guys to Colorado and you can say whether, you know, how hard did Florida push for him or not? You know, Florida did ended up with zero running backs last year, right? You lose a guy to, to Louisville. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're not necessarily losing them to, you know, your Alabamas and your Georgias and your LSUs. You're, you're losing them to teams that you, you know, should be able to grab these guys with, you know, basically an, an offer only. Yeah, man, I think we just got to reevaluate the whole running back room um, as far as the coaching, the recruiting that's going on. Um, I mean, this is, we can say what we want to say about the line blocking, but there's just no nothing we can hang our hat on to say that, like, that, that Knox is doing a great job. You know, like there's no running yards to, to hang our hat on to say he's doing great there. There's no recruiting to hang our hat on to say he's doing great there. So I think eventually we got to make a change in that room, um, relationships, and keeping continuity only matters to a certain extent. Um Running backs is a, is a key important position. Like there's difference makers in college football at that position. We can't keep just playing off like, oh, it's just running back. No, that position in college football is a difference maker. Just look around the country. Right. So we got we got to make some decisions at that room, man. Um, I thought some decisions should have been made last cycle. I'm not I'm not here. I'm never one to fire anybody. But I just think at this point, like we're, we're media. Um, we got to give our opinions and, and not sugarcoat shit. And I just think. It's time to make a change in the running back room, man. If this is the end all be all, this like land guys, or you got to go, or you just going down the ship a little bit. Yeah, and Florida really doesn't look great with uh, with any particular running back, and that's not saying that things can't change. But they had one committed in Brashard Smith uh, down from what Palmetto. Uh, he decommitted. Uh, Florida looks okay. Even if uh, we got him back, I don't. I don't. That's not the running back I want. I want a traditional right. running back. Those are like tackles, kind of guy, backs. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't think Florida. I mean, maybe you, you know differently, but I don't think Florida is really sitting in a in a really strong position with any, you know, notable running backs right now. That, that's not saying that something couldn't change. And you're going to obviously recruit these kids until National Signing Day, and until their letter of intent. But still, you know, Florida's got to be in a position to be able to have, you know, at least one running back, you know, in a class. And and Florida is in a position almost where they're going to, you know. Let's just say one of the running backs, you know, potentially transfers. Not only do you now have an unbalanced in terms of, you know, what their years are, you know, in the class and everything else, you might be in a position where you need to get two guys. Uh, and if Florida can't get any, um, you know, you're either going to have to rely on the portal or, or Dan Mullen's offense, which is heavily reliant on that running back position, um, you know, is not going to be able to operate the way that they want it to. So. That's definitely a position, man. We got to re- reload that. It shouldn't be never, never, ever look look like this. And I, I've know, never I, seen our running back recruiting ever in the history of being I a Gator fan. 
us uh, probably getting backs. I mean, why, why wouldn't you want to be the, the run or a running back at the University of Florida? It only points at one thing, man. It's the recruiter. Like, we 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 could find, like, and try to dance around it. But sure. I've been a Gator fan for a long time. No matter if we were down, whatever was happening with our offense, it was funny gun, whatever situation we was in, we've always landed backs. And it wasn't yep. no bottom of the barrel. Even when you, you complain about the style of running backs Urban had, but it forced elite recruits. Chris Rainey was still one of the best recruits. Emmanuel Moody. Yep. Those guys were elite recruits, man. Um, Deshaun Wynn, you bring them in, mm-hmm. like, regardless of what the names was and how they produced, they brought in high end recruits. Seth Walker we never had that issue. Williams. Yeah, we brought in yeah. some big name guys, bro. Yeah. Right. Like, we never well, had he had that. some really good ones. Even, even Gilly. Like, Gilly was a tra- traditional back, and Gilly got busy late. But yeah. Gilly was a big time back, bro, and we got him in here. He had uh-huh. two good yeah, we just like we just have never struggled with running back recruiting ever, man. And I, it doesn't add up right now. It's like they then keep get going to the point where there's an opportunity. It's a huge opportunity to play running back at the University yeah. of Florida, bro. And it's like not it's not a lot of competition. And we're not right. being able to get guys like something weird. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. That's something that's got to change, and, and we're going to keep it. And that's something that I really love about this podcast and you guys is we're going to keep it honest. Uh, we're not going to dog anybody, but we are going to keep it honest. You know, Florida's running back recruiting is something that, that definitely needs to be, um, you know, addressed and addressed quickly because Florida is in a position where, you know, you, you have two guys in Malik Davis who, yes, had last season to play, uh, but Lorenzo Lingard, you have two guys that are, um, you know, coming off of injuries and Damian Pierce has struggled with some injuries in his career. And then you have Naquan Wright, who, you know, has had a couple of carries in his career and then Iverson Clement, who's in the same way. So you really don't have, I mean, Damian Pierce, yes, is your 1A and yes, when we've seen him healthy uh, is great. After that, you have a ton of question marks. And right now, after those question marks is you have a massive, uh, massive fall off and, and that's just not something that's acceptable. And we're going to, you know, make sure that we continue to talk about that. So stay tuned uh, to see what happens in running back recruiting and as the world turns in the Gator world. Uh, from there, uh, just a couple of other kind of programming notes. The baseball stadium looks like it is complete. I was able to see it a couple weeks ago when I was up in Gainesville. It looks absolutely stunning and beautiful. Uh, they are changing, or pardon me, they are carrying over the name Alfred uh, uh, McKeithen. Uh, so it is still going to be McKeithen Stadium. Uh, beautiful, beautiful spot uh, and really looking forward to catching a game there. Um, a freshman uh, players arrived on campus over the last couple of days as well. Uh, today is the first day that they're allowed back on voluntary workouts. Uh, so super excited to see uh, a bunch of those new. What freshmen you excited to see? Uh, Derek Wingo. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Derek Wingo, Wingo is one to watch. Who are you excited to see him? I know you ain't really in tune with that. Who you? Who you uh, but you know, I'm biased though. You know, you got you got my Lakeland guys coming. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but, but, but also, bro, he is really under the radar. So I think he's gonna surprise yeah. a lot of people, dog. Well, and he has an opportunity too, right? I mean, yeah. with you know, yeah. Swain, who was you know the, the kick re- kick and punt return for the last couple of years, you know him moving on to the NFL. Uh, congratulations to Freddie Swain, by the way. He just signed a uh, his contract today, uh, but uh, but he has an opportunity to play yeah, uh, with this year. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Freddie Swain. I'm excited to see uh, Baby Hendo. That's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, yeah. So, so they could take the roof off. I'll try. Yeah. Hopefully, Cal been in the weight room this offseason can let that thing fly a little bit. But I'm ready to see Baby Hendo get out there and bring something different to the wide receiver room. I'm ready to see. I'm ready to see my man Weston too. Yeah. Yeah. A little red shirt freshman action. You know what I'm saying? Out of Clouston, man. Out that muck. We're gonna see what he can do. I like my wide receiver room. I'm ready to see them boys get off and compete with the. DB. I'm ready to see them yeah. spin. I'm not even gonna lie. Let's yeah. go. And we can talk about all this recruiting all we want to, baby, but football season is on the horizon, dog. It sure is. You know what I'm saying? We know we know what Dan can do. Dan might 
might not be the best recruit anyway, but we bought the scheme up, man. We, yeah. we got our quarterback back. We got our staff is back, offense coordinator. We ain't got no funny funny moves going on, man. A lot of people got a lot of things to figure out. We ready to hit the ground rolling, man. This is the best scenario for us. It's yep. for football to happen. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I really like the way that Florida sits. And I was talking about it earlier today when I was talking to some folks. Uh, you know, the Florida is really primed for a successful year this year, um, you know, assuming that everything uh, goes the way that it should. You know, you have a couple teams that are going through some changes and some some quarterback changes and just some overall schematic changes. You know, Florida looks good. You know, outside of obviously some question marks that we talked about running back and, you know, replacing a couple people on the offensive line and, you know, a few players on defense, you know, Florida is going to grow and get better because the players are, are more mature. They have a lot of experience. And, you know, this is a year that, yeah, Florida could have really used that spring, but I don't think that they needed the spring as much as some of these other programs. So um, it seems like they... Um, had a, quite a bit of, of, of work to do. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to a, an old Nick Saban interview with Scott Van Pelt from a few weeks ago. And he said that, and, and I confirmed with one of the coaches today was, you know, during this time, they've been able to, you know, utilize zoom and stuff like that. So while they haven't been able to do, you know, much like hands-on coaching in terms of, you know, players on the field, they've been able to break down plays a lot more, watch a lot more film, get really, really, really focused on, you know, what some of the differences are in the film room. So, so, you know, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to see, you know, how some of these guys, you know, might improve. So maybe some of your guys are maybe a little bit out of position last year. Maybe they, you know, were able to get in the playbook a little bit more, watch a lot more film, and, and maybe say, they come back a little bit more prepared. Say it, say it, Daniel. So you want to see the safeties be in position this year? I want, I want, to, I want to see the safeties and the stars be in position this year. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and say it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, want the star, I want the stars aligned and the safeties being making sure we're safe back there, you know? I, everybody's interested to see what the star position is going to do. Um, who's going to get that spot? Who's compete? I wanted to see who who they line up day one, number one at the start. Yeah, you know what I'm saying when they when they break the first yeah, snap of right whatever right of shells, whatever they're going to do. I want to see who who breaks out at star, and then we go from there. It's gonna be a lot. It's a lot of competition. And when it's mm-hmm. a lot of competition, man, it just breeds good football in the fall, man. So guys got to make some moves. Has Mordecai Daniels um got the camp? Yeah, that's one I'm, I'm excited about too. You know, I don't know if he's arrived on campus yet. Um, I don't I, I know that players didn't have to be there. Uh, Summer B doesn't start for a few, um, you know, more weeks. And, and I don't know what what the Tennessee school schedule. He's in Tennessee, right? Uh, what the Tennessee school schedule is like either. Yeah, my man Connor gave me a breakdown of who who, who was on campus. Who wasn't. Uh, shout out to Connor. Works at Rivals. Um, does some work, work with Rivals over there. And I just didn't save it, but uh, I think I don't think he's got in there, but I think he's on the way to campus. That's one thing I'm excited about as well. I think the yeah. safety, those guys gonna come up and ready to make something happen. I think one of those young, talented guys in the back end that just can fly around and are real fast. Uh, I think they, he can jump in and, and take somebody's spot and get some playing time. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited about him. I'm trying to think, who else am I super excited about? Amon, anybody else you're super excited Braun. about? I'm excited about Braun. It's a lot of these freshmen. I'm yeah, excited. you know, jo- Josh Braun, I mean, he's been on campus. I kind of feel like he's already part of the team, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, you know, look like he is. Uh, you know, Daniel, I kind of want to – I'm really interested to see our quarterback room. Yeah. Mm. In it. And, you know, you got mm-hmm. AR in there now, so – um, it's going to be real interesting to see that as well. I, I'm ready to see them progress and how Coach Mullen progressed those guys. Well, I'm ready to see AR just hold the clipboard. 
I know how damn move, bro. Dan ain't finna throw him out there in the fire at all. He just kind of reminds me of Cam Newton out there. When I see him, I'm gonna be like, you're the Cam Newton. It's hard keeping something like that, that that type of weaponry in the holster. I get it. I'm I'm ready to see it too. I don't think like his upside is the most in that quarterback room without a doubt, man. So I'm excited for that too. But I don't think next year's gonna be the day. I think he's got. I think he's got a couple years. I there's two players, and I know that they're super highly ranked, and they're the number one and the number three highly ranked guys. Uh, But we don't talk about him as much just because I think we all assume that he's gonna be nasty, Uh, and that's Gervon Dexter. Um, You know, I think that he's gonna have. Oh yeah, that's that's foregone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's what I figured. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't. That ain't from the county, Dan. What you talking about? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, there's a guy, um, and I don't know how much burn he's going to get this year, but I think in a year or two, you know who he kind of reminds me of, and we'll see. Uh, this is too easy of a uh, – of a comparison, but he kind of reminds me of Joe Hayden. That's Jahari Rogers. Just uh, you know, played quarterback in high school, but just an unbelievably he's athletic. Nasty. Um, but he played in the, uh, I think it was the army game. I, uh, he just looked just really, really good. And for a guy that's going to be able to get some unbelievable coaching by, uh, Torian gray. Uh, I think Jahari Rogers is going to be a, a really special player for Florida. And like I said, it may not be next year, uh, but, uh, you know, don't count him out in uh, sophomore, junior and senior year. I'm here for it, dog. I'm here for all the fanatics, man. So that's we got any more news? Is that it? I think I think that's it. I think that's it. So we got a uh, we got a good show for you guys. Will from anybody else? That's all the whiffs. That's all the whiffs for today. Stay tuned for next week. So uh, we've got Jed Thomas. He's going to come on uh, quickly. Jed is an awesome guy, uh, the uh, managing partner of the Thomas firm. And then we got Linda Taylor, uh, who is uh, one of the executive uh, assistant athletic directors at the University of Florida. Uh, she's going to go over her job and what she does and, and so her role. And then um, cornerback, uh, DBU, Marcus Roberson is going to join us to end the show. So Bro, uh, I'm excited about this. So let's get let's get Jed on the line and talk to him for a few minutes. Thank you. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale uh, is uh, a guy that is very, very special to us. He's a sponsor of our show and uh, his firm, the Thomas Firm. Uh, Jed Thomas. Jed, we're excited to have you on the show. Uh, How are you doing this evening? Very good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jed, we talk about you guys every week. We talk about what you guys do uh, to make sure that folks are getting uh, as much money as they can from their insurance companies. We've talked a little bit about uh, what you guys have done for businesses related to COVID-19 and insurance policies there. Uh, But today we want to talk to you because we're about seven days into hurricane season. We've already had three named storms. Talk to you a little bit about hurricane preparedness. Uh, Jed, what can we do to make sure that we're prepared for what likely, because it is 2020, is going to be a busy hurricane season? Right. As far as an insurance claim goes, the most important thing is to document the before and after. Um, And part of that involves uh, getting a copy of your insurance policy, taking a look at it, what I call an insurance checkup. Check your deductible, check what your coverages are, what your limits are. Uh, and, and find out what type of coverage you have. And then we, we always tell our clients to document the before. Take pictures of your, uh, of your home, your house, your roof, your walls, your ceilings, things like that to document the condition before the storm 
so when the storm hits and if and when you do experience damage, you can document the damage and the change in the condition. And that way, when you file your claim with the insurance company, the evidence is clear. Um, because most of the issues that come up in these hurricane claims are, did the damage predate the storm? Did it pre-exist? So doing those simple things like keeping a copy of your insurance policy around, taking pictures of your home and its before condition, and then after the claim is called in, taking pictures and, and providing those to your carrier, that helps immensely. Uh, mentally and also shortens the time within which your claim is done. Interesting. So, uh, Jed, the, the first thing, a uh, hurricane comes, unfortunately causes some damage to my home. Uh, assuming that I've done everything on your checklist, what, what's the first thing that I do? Do I reach out to you first uh, or do I reach out to my insurance company first? Um, it, it depends. A lot of times it's, it's, you need to call on the claim as soon as you discover any damage. And, and you can reach out to us before that. We can actually call on the claim for you as well and handle that portion of it. Um, but it, it, it's really up to the client on what you want to do. It, uh, it, it's always prudent to get advice uh, before, but sometimes things move faster. As soon as you drive up to your house after you've evacuated and you see damage, you ought to call on the client and, and then give us a call as soon as you can. Perfect. Um, so. Good. And so uh, hurricane-lawyers.com, I guess, also has a, a preparedness uh, checklist uh, for for folks as well. So obviously, we know because we read it. lawyers.com uh, Jed, just personally, um, you know, quickly, what what are some of the uh, interesting stories that that you have, or, or what's the crazy story that you've had uh, representing somebody, maybe dealing with an insurance claim? Well, uh, it, there's a lot of them. Um, I wouldn't have a job <laughs> if insurance did the right thing. Right? But it, uh, you know, some of the some of the amazing things are, you know, when an insurance carrier say. That the, the, the roof was damaged before, and the client has experienced no damage whatsoever, no leaks, no anything, um, and they deny the claim on pre-existing damage, and that, that that's very frustrating. It happens all the time, uh, not with all carriers. There are good carriers out there, and there are bad carriers, but the, the craziest thing is when somebody, the carrier, comes in and says that, you know, these leaks have. Uh, and, the, and the water intrusion has predated the hurricane. And there's and, and the only way to prove that is is if you have that that documented uh, those pictures and those videos and of before the storm. And it's much easier to take care of that uh, and, and deal with that and fight the carrier on that and, and get the claim settled if possible. Well, perfect. Perfect. Well, Jed, we appreciate you coming on the show uh, today. Uh, and we definitely appreciate you sponsoring uh, Stadium and Gale each and every week. Always good to hear from Jed. Jed's a great guy. I really appreciate uh, his support of our show. So before we get into uh, Linda Teeler, uh, this part is portion of the show and, and Linda's interview is sponsored by our good friends over at Roof Soldier. So give Roof Soldier a call, one eight seven seven roofs fl Again, one eight seven seven roofs fl uh, Hurricane season is upon us, so you're going to want to make sure you get your roof inspected. I know I was on my roof this past weekend uh, patching up a couple of really, really, really small nail holes. So, um, But I'm not qualified to do that. 
but I, I did it anyway. Uh, but uh, give them a call uh, over at uh, at Roof Soldier. They're going to give you a free inspection. They'll help you with anything that you have uh, with your roof, whether it's a replacement, whether it's repair, uh, whether it's an insurance claim, whatever it might be. Give our friends at Roof Soldier a call. Visit them at RoofSoldier.com. Again, one eight seven seven Roofs FL. And if you mention Stadium and Gale, you're going to receive two hundred dollars off your roof replacement. So again, Roof Soldier. Cam, dial in Linda Teeler. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is Executive Associate Athletic Director for Administration. Definitely not a short or a title of brevity uh, for Linda Teeler, uh, who's been at the University of Florida since 2003. Linda, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So, Linda, you have a long title and your responsibilities are quickly administrative oversight over men's basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, softball, lacrosse, sports health, information technology and human resources. That's a heck of a job. Linda, tell us a little bit about what you do on a day to day basis. You know, uh, the short version is really just trying to help our coaches primarily and some of our departments um, just sort of get where we're trying to go, provide them, make sure they have the resources and the support they need to deliver really excellent athletic programs, great student-athlete experience, um, programs where our student-athlete success um, sort of shows through academically, they have a wonderful experience and they compete for championships. So my job is really just to kind of help line up uh, the things that they need in order to get there. Our coaches, as I know you talked to many of them, these are world-class coaches, the best of the best. So my job is really just to support them and facilitate uh, the process and getting them what they need. Perfect. So Linda, how ultimately you've been at Florida quite some time. So I want to hear a little bit about your story. How did you end up at the University of Florida? I know you went to the University of San Diego, then you got your law degree from the University of Texas. Uh, but how did you end up at the uh, University of Florida? And talk to us a little bit about your, your career path since you've been here. Yeah, so um, former basketball student athlete, grew up in California, went to the University of San Diego, and then, you know, I went to law school really not thinking about college athletics as a career, but so I volunteered some of my time uh, in the athletic department at the University of Texas and really just fell in love with the profession. So when I left law school, I, you know, did an internship and had a few jobs uh, in the interim, and then I ended up uh, working at the Southland Conference, the conference office in, in Plano, Texas. Uh, Greg Sankey, who is now the current commissioner of the NBA, oh, yeah. was my boss okay. at, at uh, the Southland. So we worked together uh, for about three years there. And during my time at the Southland, I was on an NCAA committee, uh, and I happened to be on that committee with Jeremy Foley. And uh, at the end of the day, when he uh, had a position open at Florida, and uh, I applied and I was selected, so just sort of through mutual connections and getting to know each other a little bit, um, through that committee work, uh, I was hired at Florida, and then uh, it's been 17 years, and they've been really, really great. Now we know Foley from a distance, so we don't really know a lot of like personal stuff about him. Give us some like, um, is what's he, what he's like as a like personality-wise, and what what's, what's he like around the office? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when um, I think Jeremy's national reputation is one of you know very serious and hard charging and, you know, coaches, um, you know, high performing and 
you know, a lot of pressure. And that's really, <laughs> that's really quite the opposite of when you're working with him. Um, you know, he is a person with a really big heart, really cares about people. I think when you talk with coaches about their relationship with Jeremy, that's what they will tell you, that he cared about them. Uh, his, the people that worked on his staff will say that same thing. He likes to have a lot of fun, joke around a lot. Um, so, you know, during his tenure at Florida, we did a lot of great things, won a lot, but had a lot of fun. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for creating an environment where, you know, high expectations, high performing, but really a lot of fun. And if you can't have fun in college athletics, um, you just need to go find something else because this is the best there is. Do you think you guys experience the highs and lows with each program? Like when the football is down, like how's it from the administrative side? Do you guys feel uh, a little, little of that pressure as well? Yeah, you know, um, because you're so invested. Um, you, you know, you might have worked uh, on the search to hire the coach or, you know, worked with that coach and that program through some difficult times. And then, you know, you're just invested in the people and the success of the program. And so when you see a coach who, and you know the work they put in and how hard they're trying and that this is their livelihood and, you know, failure is so public and so personal, um, you know, you are invested in that and you feel, you know, those lows with them. But at the same time, Ahmad, you know that when you have um, the success, the highs of the highs, um, we're all in it together and, um there is nothing like that either. Linda, Ahmad, this is Ahmad. Um, to you and, and to, to all the people upstairs, because to, to the average people, you know, to, to us, we don't get to be upstairs and, you know, on a daily basis and um, actually kind of somewhat see, you know, life behind the football. Um, but, you know, we hear all the time the Gator standard be thrown around a little bit and whatnot, but, what do you guys think about the Gator Standard upstairs? Yeah, you know, so that is um, that is a, a phrase that really has um, been kind of coined and adopted uh, by Dan and the football staff, not that it's not embraced, you know, throughout the program. But really, our mission overall is to provide a championship experience with integrity. That is what our mission is. And when we say that, we mean um, not only that uh, the student athletes have a great experience, but fans, people that work there, um, that the being part of the program is an excellent experience and that all the wins, all the successes, you know, all of that's going to come not by cutting corners. We're going to do everything the right way and we're going to do it the right way every day. And sometimes that means taking a little step back, maybe a little hit because, um, you know, you want to, uh, maybe rush or, um, you know, take a, a shorter cut. Um, but we that's not part of what we do. And so we're going to provide that great experience. Student athletes are going to compete for championships. They're going to graduate and have a degree that they feel good about. And we're just going to do it the right way. Excellent. You know, and that's, you know, what we, we you know, strive to be uh, when I was at the University of Florida, just, um, you know, Urban told us, you know, we're going to come in. We're going to compete for SEC championships. We're going to compete for national championships, and we're going to graduate. And I always kind of yep. instilled it, you know, in my head. And you know, I, you know, when we talk about the Gator Standard, that's what we talk about in in a nutshell. You yep. know, those those three things right there. Um, so you know, we talked a little bit about coaching and whatnot in, in the coaching search. But tell me some of the criteria that goes into a coaching search. And, you know, you gave off some characteristics about 
you know, somewhat when you were explaining the Gator standard. Um, so talk about the, some of the things that you guys look into uh, with the coaching search. Yeah, you know, um, and each search is obviously, you know, a little bit different. But in the end, um, we've come up with, you know, a formula we like to kind of stay really close to. And that is um, the most successful coaches that we've had at Florida have either uh, competed at a high level themselves or already coached at a high level. So sometimes we'll hire a coach who um, was an assistant and right. then now, you know, we're promoting them to a head coach, but they competed at the highest level. They got that experience. What's that? They got that, that experience at a, at a high level, basically. They have what... that experience and um, that all the motivation comes from within. It's not right. fear of failure. It's really the motivation to succeed. And, you know, hiring folks at Florida, there's some, and, and some other programs, everyone thinks that everybody wants these jobs. Well, you know what? That's not really true. Right. Uh, there's a lot of expectation, internal pressure, you know, so no one gets to take years off at Florida. The, the expectations right. are too high from outside the program. The expectations are high within the program. And so these jobs aren't for everybody. Not everybody wants to live um, their life like that, but those that, um, you know, aren't, they, they can accept that challenge. They can live with success and some failure, um, learn from it, uh, come back even stronger. Those are the folks that make the best head coaches here at Florida. And, you know, we talked about, you mentioned the Gator standard before, and that's not um, the championship experience with integrity. And those expectations are not limited to football and men's basketball. Every one of the programs right. at Florida feels right. that and wants to achieve that. And so um, when you, when we're making a coaching hire, they have to believe that success of the other programs enhances their program. Um, we don't have turf battles. There's right. no competition among coaches. They really have to feel and, and buy into if gymnastics wins, we're all better. If tennis right. wins, we're all better. Football wins, we're all better. Tim Wallen came on and actually somewhat mentioned that when, you know, we were winning uh, national championships in football and basketball, um, the recruiting for softball got better. So I, I can definitely no question. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. You know, we tell student athletes, you're going to go into the dining hall and you're going to sit next to an Olympian, a national champion, you know, a world champion, um, someone that's about to go play professionally. Um, you know, excellence breeds excellence. And um, right. if you want to surround yourself with those people, this is the place to come. Linda, you've been at the University of Florida for long enough to see a whole host of championships across the board, both under Jeremy Foley and Scott Strickland. Uh, what are some of the differences, um, I guess, in maybe management side or just maybe just the way that things are run uh, that you've noticed under Scott Strickland uh, compared to, to Jeremy Foley? Yeah, you know, I think the differences are really more um, in style, but not function. So, you know, both Jeremy and Scott are really committed to that broad-based success across the whole program. And you really do have to have that commitment because it's easy to get distracted in, all right, let's just focus on football right now and we'll, we'll, we'll get to everything else later. Well, neither of those um, folks have that. Um, that's not their priority. They want a broad-based successful program and that's not only athletically, but academically. So their style is different, you know, um, 
Jeremy was very kind of demonstrative and a big personality. Scott is much more um, conversational and, and, you know, a little more soft-spoken, but the, the work ethic and the priorities and the passion are all the same. It's really a matter of style. With the with the climate of everything that's going on in society right now, uh, it's been like a little small Me Too era going on with the coaches. What's life like on you guys' side, making sure all your your your, eye, your, your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed as far as uh, whether it's player relations, diversity, and whatnot? What it, what's it like on that side right now? Yeah, you know, um, it is a time of uh, reflection and a time um, to really reassess everything and and hopefully uh, everyone is doing that. So, you know, we've spent time as an administrative staff on, okay, this, this is a moment and let's, you know, honor the moment, let's acknowledge the moment, and then let's figure out things we can do, Um, you know, because thoughts and um, sentiment are great, but let's wrap that up into things that we can actually do. So we've um, we formed a little group just to get together and start talking about that those things and whether that's encouraging student athlete and staff voting, uh, coming up with a speaker series uh, for our teams where they can communicate directly to our staff about the things that they're thinking and feeling, uh, creating some different resources for student athletes for them to um, share among themselves. So really trying to create some um, actions and some real initiatives that we can not only just start right now, but really, you know, live with, grow, um, not let this moment sort of fade. Right. Yeah, I like it. You also got you dealing with the COVID-19 and you got football players returning back to campus. What's the protocol with that? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, so <laughs> the, <laughs> the landscape there, you know, it shifts every day. We just learn more. And, you know, I know that's cliche, but you really do learn something different every day about COVID and what the best um, sort of way forward is. So just today was the first day where we had um, voluntary workouts um, open for our football student athletes. And we've begun to do physicals and COVID testing for all of our student athletes that are going to be around the summer for voluntary workouts, lifting and some conditioning. And so we're slowly integrating them back. We're, we have a whole protocol. We have great support from our athletic training staff, our strength and conditioning staff, and also the UF health staff um, really helping us kind of figure out the way forward. So, you know, protocols on temperature checks and testing and sanitation and, you know, limits on who can be in what space and when. And so um, it's very tight. Um, which is good because we're hoping that we can, um, you know, kind of slowly integrate people back so that we can, we won't have to disrupt things and stop because we have, you know, significant number of positives or people have to quarantine or what have you. So uh, we're trying to go slow and and, um, purposeful and hopefully um, that pays some dividends later. Linda, you're also involved as the uh, competition oversight committee uh, chairperson. Um, obviously, knowing kind of what we know now, um, is there anything that you can say 
um, about the expectations of, of what you guys are talking about for what sports might look like in the fall from just an overall NCAA perspective? Yeah, you know, so uh, that's another one. We are now, the Competition Oversight Committee, we're now meeting uh, every other week um, to discuss, okay, now that we have two weeks more information, what can we say, what do we think, um, you know, the, the future looks like? And at this moment in time, um, we are still in the let's hope for seasons to look um, consistent for volleyball and soccer and football and cross country, the fall sports. Let's plan like those will go forward as scheduled. But you know what? In two weeks or in a month, we just we may have different information and we're just going to have to adjust. So at this moment, um, you know, hope is a, is a really terrible strategy, but we're living on hope a little bit. Um, that we'll be able to integrate student athletes back on campus, the rest of the country will be able to do the same, and we can have fall seasons that look a lot like what we're, we're used to. Perfect. And then I guess, Linda, <laughs> what was it like I mean, being, you know, in the probably in the room when it happened when, um, when the rest of spring sports uh, were can- – I guess the the rest of winter sports, spring sports, uh, and then uh-huh. uh, sports were canceled and then obviously throwing everything into a whirlwind. What was – what were the conversations like? I guess where did you – where did you start or what did those first couple of days look like? Yeah. You know, it was um, – it really was surreal. We were at the men's basketball tournament getting ready to – you know, teams were making their way to the arena – Everyone's, you know, thinking, having their pregame meal and getting ready to play. And, you know, and then we're sitting in a room with administrators um, from, you know, all the conference schools and everyone's on the phone with their presidents or back at their campuses. And, you know, the commissioner comes in and after talking to a lot of people, you know, he says, you know, we're going to need to cancel the tournament. And that was, um, and, and I can, I hope I'm not uh, revealing too much, you know, about Greg, but that was an emotional moment for him um, because that's what conferences do, right? They they host championships, they showcase the um, talents and abilities of the student athletes in their on their teams and in their programs, and so to have to walk away from that was really really difficult. And then it just became kind of an avalanche. You know, we started with the basketball tournament, the SEC. You know, the NSA cancels the tournament. The next thing you know, there's no uh, winter sports are stopped, spring sports are stopped. It was really, um, it was really surreal. And I think the thing that I walked away feeling the most comfort in is we had a meeting with all of our coaches, you know, to sort of talk about what was happening and the way forward. And not one of them was worried about, you know, losing competitions, you know, that they they would have this great team and, you know, now they're not going to get to feel that team. And um, there was nothing selfish, nothing um, even overly, you know, competitive in that moment. It was a real loss because they weren't going to get to spend that time around their student athletes. And I think if you visit with them now, that's the thing they miss the most is being around kids that they've gotten to know. They love them. They like being around them, like coaching them. And that's a huge void. 
Linda, it's it's interesting. Um, because I have a friend of mine that works in administration and for another SEC school, and he kind of said the same thing. But I don't think that they were anywhere as close to prepared as, as you guys ultimately came out of this. Um, what is, I guess, the biggest lesson that that you all, as an administration, have learned, or what's the biggest, I guess, takeaway? that the athletic department is going to now have because, I mean, looking at the silver lining of COVID-19 and maybe something you guys have enacted or just kind of a change in policy that you guys can look forward and saying, while this was an unfortunate circumstance, we are better because of it. Do you have any examples of that or? Well, you know, we do keep talking about learning lessons from this time. Um, so in terms of the preparedness, I think one of the things that um, I most appreciate about the way we do business at, Florida, and this is not to, you know, others operate in this way, but I, I appreciate that we do this is um, there's very few decisions that get made in small rooms, you know, with one or two people, we really try to air things out, get a bunch of people in a room, let's come up with our best ideas, be honest about what we don't like about each other's plans or ideas. Um, we, we tend to be able to coalesce around something that makes some sense but it only happens because you have a lot of people in the room. And, uh, and I think that's one of our strengths. And as far as the lessons learned, um, I think some of those will um, sort of develop over time. In talking with a lot of coaches, you know, they've been able to get into things, topics, um, really explore some things with their teams that they would have never done, um, you know, when you're, when you're on the clock. They're either out recruiting um, they don't have the ability to get, you know, their student athletes on the phone and on Zoom calls and have, um, you know, conversations about chemistry or excellence or holding each other accountable or leadership. And I think a lot of coaches have been able to spend some time doing things that they might not have been able to do before, um, just for the sheer lack of time. So, you know, I think the lessons we'll see if the seasons sort of bear the, that fruit. But I really think. We've been able to focus on some of the non-basketballs, you know, um, practice kind of things and really work on relationships and chemistry and leadership and um, some of the other skills that make championship teams. So you talk about those, uh, you guys talking groups um, and everything is, is, is uh, the decisions are made in groups. Um, is, is it like a family in there? Like, I know you guys be around each other a lot, but, you know, is it? Is, yeah, very, um, and, yes. and just like a family, sometimes you're like, I can't believe you even said that. Who, you know, what kind of idea was that? Um, and, but there's value in that. I think we've, we've come right. to, right. Um, you know, figure out, let's not, uh, we don't need to all nod our heads. Let's really, um, you know, think about what we're saying, um, you know, disagree, uh, you know, argue if necessary and come up with the best way forward. And um, right. so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like a family because you have, you know, some agreement, some love, some disagreement, um, but we try to avoid the hurt feelings and just understand, you know, everybody's trying to get to the best result. Linda, I've got a question, and, and I don't know um, how you're gonna how you're gonna want to answer this, but there's a a common thread um, on message boards. So I'm sure you know where this question's going and how how much weight it actually has. That the University of Florida's academic qualifications are just make it so hard uh, to recruit uh, to the university compared to some of the other institutions that are out there. What can you describe the academic qualification process, maybe from an NCAA perspective, and then you know how the University of Florida might. Differ from that because I think there's a lot of 
unknowns and, and that creates a lot of, I guess, preconceived notions or ignorance. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, ins and outs of the process, maybe, um, I'm not the best person to speak on, you know, the, the details, but I will say, I mean, the university of Florida is a top seven academic institution and the academic standards at Florida are high and they are also high for student athletes entering. Um, but I would, you know, tell you that's the same for Stanford and Michigan and UCLA and, um, we think that's an asset um, where, you know, when we sit down with uh, prospects and their families and we say, when you graduate from Florida, you're going to have a degree that um, is valuable, that you won't have to explain the value. People will appreciate it when you apply for jobs or you do your next thing, grad school, whatever it is. And so for sure, um, it is challenging to be admitted into the University of Florida. Um, at the same time, we see that more as um, a benefit than a detriment. As a graduate, I agree. So thank you for valuing that. <laughs> Linda, you've been an absolute pleasure uh, to to talk with this evening, and it, it was great. I uh, I worked for the football recruiting office when I was an undergrad, and I got to serve on uh, one of the Title IX committees and got to hear you speak. So it's great to uh, to see not only where you've come in your career since I was there, what a decade or so ago, uh, but the the advocacy and everything else. So thank you so much, uh, Linda. Um, is I don't know if you do much of the social media thing, but is there a place where people People that might be interested could follow or learn more about you or kind of follow your your so, career. You're right. I don't I don't do much <laughs> of the social media thing, um, but um, I do. Uh, I am on Twitter a little bit, mostly just amplifying what our our teams and our coaches are doing. And you know, in this moment in particular, um, I I have been uh, more available on social media because I do again really want to highlight um, some of our student athletes, their statements their stories, uh, our coaches, Mike Holloway had a really uh, powerful op-ed. And so I've, uh, I've poked around on social a little bit more recently because I, I do want to highlight and support what they're doing. Well, Linda, thank you so, so much. We appreciate you. We're going to continue to root for you and go Gators. Excellent. Well, go Gators. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk thank to you soon. Sounds great. Take care. Bye. Enjoyed that one, boys. Yeah, that was a great one. Tell me, these, these non-football coaches, we're going to keep having the football coaches on. But we're going to continue to get in our bag with some of these other folks. To keep yeah, that part of you what, the, the, next, the next person to call me Ahmad, Ahmad got to give me his, either the breakout style <laughs> or his degree. You pick me. <laughs> or part of that NFL 401k. I got yeah, you. Yes, so one of them, bro. I, you, got, you pick which one you want to give me. I'll take the brick. Look, but, I, but but this is what I try to do, though. I just try to, like, when I speak, I just say, hey, this is Ahmad. So I can kind of, like, they kind of, like, get my voice a little bit, you know? They still do it every time, bro. So you got one more. One more person, dog. They called me Ahmad. <laughs> We're going to start negotiating. <laughs> what we got next, Daniel? We got uh, we got part of DBU. We got Marcus Roberson coming up next. Robo. The Marcus Roberson in interview is brought to you by Brown Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, hit my man Greg up, 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. Um, shout out to my man. Condolences to my man Greg, man. Um, his father uh, passed away 
Um, so show, shoot my man some love uh, if, if y'all follow him on Twitter. And also spend some money with him. That'll make him feel a little better as well, man. So shout out to Brian Insurance Financial Services. 954-589-2204, man. Big condolences. Shout out to Greg. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then join us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is just like myself, a 954 legend. We got Marcus Roberson from St. Thomas Aquinas. Let's get the lives out of the way. <laughs> Played for the University of Florida. Also, he had a couple years in the NFL and currently uh, plays up at the CFL. Marcus, how are you doing this evening? Everything's well, and yourself? Very good, very good. It's it's good to talk to another legend from Broward County. Uh, Marcus, uh, being from Broward County, you played at, at St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, obviously uh, a highly uh, recruited player coming out of high school. How'd you end up at the uh, the University of Florida? Uh, man, um, Coach Muschamp, Coach T-Rob, it was on me hard, so I built a great connection with those guys and decided to attend the University of Florida. It was a great time. So, so talk to us. So you're so you're in high school. You're the number two player in the country. Every school in America uh, wants you. What was it about uh, Muschamp or, or T. Rob um, that that sold you um, on on coming over? Um, the defensive scheme, the energy those guys had. Um, it was just great, great mentors and just the whole situation. I think it was the best thing for both of us. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you got to, to play uh, quite a bit your your freshman year uh, at the University of Florida. What was that like? What was the, the transition from from high school? And obviously you played you at a highly competitive uh, high school. But what was the, the transition from high school to college like for you? Um, the speed. <laughs> the speed is always different. But um, St. Thomas Aquinas actually made me pretty well for college. So the transition wasn't that tough. But the speed was a little faster compared to high school. So that was probably the biggest transition and just, you know, being handled with a with a lot of work in college and <laughs> the time consuming. And that was pretty much it right there. All right, Marcus, so you uh it's a mod. You went to um Saint Thomas. What years were you at Saint Thomas? Did you did you ever play against Lakeland? No, I didn't play against Lakeland. Um, I seen you guys play those, play play the guys before us, um, like oh. Leonard Hankerson. Oh yeah, because um, I, I was about I was about to call St. Thomas Lakeland Junior, but I didn't know if y'all had beat us or not. Oh week. man, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. they had a couple good games. Yeah, bro, it's it's always it's always neck and neck, so it's always a a, a good game when Lakeland and St. Thomas um, get with each other. So talk about uh, practice a little bit, man, with much time, man. How was the practices, uh, you know, on on a daily basis with with Coach Muschamp? Were they they intense or were they kind of chill? Um, they took care of us pretty good, man. Um, most days it was intense, like three days, similar to the league. So it was like uh, um an NFL type system with okay. Coach Quinn, Coach Muschamp, and Coach T. Rob. Those guys was very good with just taking care of our bodies, but we got it in a lot. Pretty good, pretty good day to day, you know. What What was your uh, best moments at UF? Um, you know, just being on campus and whatnot. What you like to do? Um, 
uh, I didn't really do too much around campus, but I just roamed the campus because it was new to me, and I enjoyed college altogether. So I just like just being in the atmosphere. I go to the stadium most of the time, sit in there and watch film <laughs> for 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 a long time. Even after tutoring, I stopped by stadium and just kick it in the stadium just to feel the atmosphere, you know? It's nothing like it. All right. And we talked about, you know, uh, just running out on the swamp out um, on the University of Florida field, you know, in the swamp uh, for your very first time. Talk about that first time experience, man. What was it like? I can't explain it. It's just a feeling you have, man. I'm sure everybody can attest to that. They ran out of Everybody say that. Yeah. It's, I can't even remember the first time I ran out there. It was just so crazy. I remember we played. It was a small school, um, UAB, I believe, and it was a night game, and those night games be very intense. So you know how that go. Definitely, definitely. <clears throat> Who was Mar- Marcus? Did you just a quick off that Ahmad? Uh, Marcus, did you prefer night games compared to day games, or, or what kind of atmosphere did you most like playing in? Oh, man, I say I say day games, you know, because the night games you be too riled up sometimes, you know. What what's um what was the vibes like the 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 season we went four eight uh we you started off I mean you had to play the close to home team with, with Miami we we lose that game and then we kind of um just spiraled out of control. What was the vibes like in the locker room around that team um? That was pretty much the turn, and was Muschamp trying to overcome that to keep his job. So, what was it like after that, and during that season? Um, as far as I can recall, I believe the energy was all the same from the beginning of the season. You know, um, we always just tried to just win every day and just be our best self day to day. You know, despite the adversity that we may face throughout the season or a game or in practice or whatever, you know. So I can always remember Coach just, just being himself the whole time. He never really got too uptight, you know. Did, did Muschamp energy levels bother uh, you or anybody else on the team? Was that a, a, a thing? You just had a couple of scenes where he got in people's face. I'm a Muschamp guy. I love Muschamp. I just wish he could have got an offense yeah. together, man, because he was a great defense of mine. We had one of the sure. best defenses in college history when he was coaching. But he just couldn't figure it out, man. But did, did he have any issues with his personality and, and, and like, uh, screaming at players? Nah, I mean, Coach Muschamp is, like, a great mentor, man. He just wants the best for you, and he's going to push you to the limit to get the best out of you, you know. So he was just he was just on you like if he was his son, you know, and he just wanted the best for you. So that's all, that's all I remember, Coach Muschamp. You know, he was a cool guy. <laughs> you can right. talk to him in his office, his stuff. The door was always open. You know, he called you by your nicknames that the guys give you on the team. <laughs> Coach Munchen was a good man, man. He taught me a lot of football. He made me have – he helped me, He helped my passion even more with the game, you know. He sat in the meetings with us and specifically defensive backs because he was a defensive mind coach, you know. And, and that's – I have nothing but great things to say about Coach Munchen, man, despite of all the – backlash you get from you know just people how they view him outside of the facility you know right so what was it like when you and you and Purifor were, were, were making plays back there Purifor was on some like honey bad stuff just around the ball a lot um what was that like when it, when the times was great man uh, around the city and on the field 
I mean, you just got to be even killed and stay composed because, you know, you don't want to get too high with the highs and too low with the lows. So. Right. Luchez was a great player, man. He was a great person to be beside and a guy that you would love to see play when you're on the sideline too, you know? Luchez was great. He was a ball hog. Even Jalen Watkins, they is a very technician, you know? Those guys made me better on the day-to-day. And what went into your decisions to leave early? Oh, man. Just, I say low-key caught in the hype, but, you know, I wish I could go back and finish my senior year. And that's that's something, you know, I regret sometimes, but I'm happy. <laughs> I enjoyed my time there. What what was it like? Uh, and, and I don't want to bring up you know bad memory or anything. So you you go uh, and then you you end up undrafted and you you end up uh, getting picked up with with the Rams. Uh, what was that experience like? Obviously, you, you made the roster, but what was that experience like um, going as an an undrafted free agent to uh, you know to the NFL and then trying to make your mark there? Um, I would say just the. That was always my dream to make it to the NFL, so I didn't really get like down on myself. Um, I just rolled with the punches and the cards that were dealt, and I just made the best of my opportunity that I had. You know, Coach Fisher gave me an opportunity, and those guys put me in a special team, and I was getting some PT when um, Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson wasn't able to play, so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I made it the best of my opportunities, I can say. Absolutely, and so you, you had a couple years in the NFL, which is which is absolutely incredible uh, to to be able to make it to that level. And now you're playing the CFL. Uh, what's that? What's that experience like for you? It's similar, just a couple rules change and the field. It's a little bigger, you know, but it's still football, and I love it. I love it. How long you back in Florida? When the last time you been in South Florida or Gainesville, man? Um, I don't too much um travel North Florida too much unless I'm, you know, like going to like train with a friend or two up up north. But last time I've been to Gainesville was oh man, like last year I believe. Just driving through the city, driving from New York or whatever. So I stop by from time to time, um, South Florida. That's where I'm from, so I just train most of the time on my off season down there, and that's pretty much it. And then back to work whenever time the season starts, you know. Marcus, looking back on your time at, at Florida, it seems like you reminisce a lot about just your your time there. What are what are some of your favorite memories, or what's your your favorite game from your time uh, as a Gator? Uh, I never forget. My first interception, I believe, versus Georgia. Um, that was a high point. Um, the Sugar Bowl, we, we made it to the Sugar Bowl my sophomore year. We had a great team that year. Even though we lost the Sugar Bowl, it was a great time, a great experience. And that's pretty much the high times that I could say right there. Is it What's your favorite rivalry game to play in? Was it Florida uh, State? Was it Georgia, Tennessee, LSU? Oh, man. I played uh, Florida State one time, um, and the other two times I didn't. Oh, yeah. I played through the end. 
injuries, but um, Florida State game was the best, the best game to me as far as the atmosphere. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty. That was pretty wild and dope. Campbell Stadium. And and I guess Marcus, looking back on on your time at at Florida, um, Will Muschamp, obviously a uh, just an, an incredibly gifted defensive coach. Um, sure. You know. T. Rob, obviously very highly respected, was your defensive backs coach. What's one thing maybe off the field that you you learned from them, maybe from leadership or character? But what's one thing that that they taught you off the field? Um, just be a pro at being you. Um, that's one thing I can never forget. Coach Muschamp and T. Rob would just say, just be a pro at being yourself on and off the field. You know, like study the game because you love it. You know and the things that you love, you take care of, you know, so just love it and be passionate and, you know, just be a pro at being you. This is you, football, you know. So uh, what's, what's what's next for Marcus Robeson, man? Like, what, what like what's your goals? Um, what, any future plans, any business you're into? Um, just just tell the people something about us that we, that we may not know. Um, for me, I just want to play football because I can't play no more. Whether I hear that. In, in the CFL or even if I had to go overseas and play, man, I'm going to play football forever until I can't play no more. Um, after the game, I want to coach high school and whatever that leads to, whether it's going to college next and coaching professional later on, you know, I just want to continue to learn the game and just get back to it as much as I can, you know, because I don't want to ever depart from the game in no way, you know. What's your um? What's the relationship like with St. Thomas Aquinas? I think we uh, University of Florida has a uh, relationship there. I think we got you and Cody Riggs around the same time as well. Uh, so what's your relationship with STA? Um, Coach Smith, he's always in touch with with the guys that's alumni. So you can always go back there. It's, it's a home, you know. Those guys very welcoming. Yeah. Um, if I wanted to go back tomorrow to try to coach or something, I believe that give me an opportunity you know, to just be around the game and learn the system um, and just, you know, grow from there. That's what's up, man. Um, I'm going to keep following your career, man. You ever, you ever uh, want to come back and hang out? You got something you want to promote? Whatever it is, man, Stadium Miguel, pull up. We'll help you out, man. No no, no problem, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Marcus Roberson. You know, it's it's interesting to hear. Yeah, very chill. Uh, It's interesting to hear. You don't hear a lot of players, uh, you know, talk about um, regret and and thinking back, um, you know, on some of the decisions that they made. And, you know, he obviously, um, you know, was able to make an NFL roster. But, you know, looking back, uh, you know, on his time and, and, you know, would have potentially come back. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people do get caught up in the hype. And that's true in life. So um, always good. Yeah, Kuyper and those guys, they, they kind of had those guys in the first round. Him and Purple were both in the first round, like, mocks the, the season before. So I kind of got the hype. But I still thought just Robeson was good enough to get drafted. I don't care what happened. It was just more stuff that was probably, you know, that right. we don't know about. Because regardless of him leaving early, he was good enough to be a third, fourth round pick. I don't care what nobody said. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. He, he was getting buckets, man. So. But I mean, he, everything everything go uh, happens for a reason. Um, yeah. So he'll be fine. Sound like he's in good spirits. Yep. Shout out to Marcus Robinson.
Yeah, played three years in the NFL, which is which is great. You know, has had a, a couple of years up there in the CFL, and uh, you know, guy that came off a bunch of injuries uh, in in college. So, you know, I don't think we ever got to see Marcus, you know, live up to his true potential at the University of Florida. But was a great Gator, wore the the DBU moniker well, and certainly I probably, wish I probably hooped at UF, bro. Like, oh, he, he had his moments where yeah, his his it. sophomore year, he was was a sophomore year that he he really had a, a good year. Yeah, um, man. but he had some injuries. Yeah, you know, even. As a freshman, he played great as a freshman. I think it was what his junior right. year uh, that he had some injuries and was out for you know four or five games. Um, but uh, but Marcus Robertson, we're cheering for you, brother. All right, Silk. I think it's it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's your manscaped ad read. Ahmad's word of the week is brought to you by Manscaped.com, the best of the best when it comes to man man grooming essentials. I still, you still putting that lawnmower three point to work, uh, Dan. It ain't just, it ain't just good on the balls, bro. You kind of hit everything. It don't nick anything. So if it's safe on your balls, it's safer everywhere else. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of vibes I got from it. Uh, like I said before, it's waterproof, skin, skin safe technology still booming. Uh, I got the weed whacker, so no, no dreadlocks in my nostrils. I'm breathing good. Deep breaths. When I meditate, there's no like shingles and, and, and branches flying around in there, Dan. Real smooth. So get your weed whacker, get the whole get up, man. Um, your balls will thank you. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, I got me. I got my uh my and my yeah, my weed whacker. I, I don't have any nose hair. Is that like normal? Uh, they they might just be I, safe. I, I got, I got a bare minimum, man. I got yeah. some, but I, but not a lot though. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I got like one hair great. out of there, and it was it is it, it was fine. Um, but, but the problem. weed whacker that yeah, I'm I'm thinking that the weed whacker uh, might be something that I, I I keep in in storage for the next thirty or forty years. But there's gonna be a time I know that those nose hairs are gonna come out. Thirty four, you gonna need it before the end, bro. I got. I have nose hair. Um, shout out to. I usually use my Andy's clippers. They, they're like, and it's a little uncomfortable, and it's definitely not nick proof. So I've like cut my nose a few times using my um, edges. I don't have to do that anymore. Shout out to the weed whacker. I'm out here whacking weeds. Weed whacker. All right, Ahmad. So teach me a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah, man. Dan, the word of the week, man, is. Move around, Dan. If I tell you, hey, Dan, move around. Scram, so, man. Uh, move around. Um, does it mean to scram? Like, go away? Yeah, like, go away, Dan. Move around. So, you gave was, me the answer. Yeah, you gave me the answer. Uh, <laughs> so, di- didn't so, BG so, have a song <laughs> called Move Around? Was that the same? Huh? BG had a song called Move Around back in the day. I wonder if it was talking about the same thing. Similar. Oh. I think so. Yeah. Maybe similar, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you to move. Hey, damn, move around. You mean you're in the way? Get away. Yeah, you're in the way, bro. Yeah, you're messing up normal business. Yeah, <laughs> move around. Stop the traffic, Dan. And the business could be in the way. I be talking to a broad, and you like just like you just in the way. Move around, bro. Uh, yo, Stop. move around, bro. Watch out. <laughs> Grown folks okay. talking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that is exactly what the song's about. Yeah, yeah. The the lyrics now say, "Now keep it moving, move around." Get yeah, it. yeah. Hey, by, by, the, by the way, yeah, by, yeah. The, by the way, every everybody who's listening, 
Dan is, is learning his word of the week and his hat is turned sideways. So you know he, he's at the protest a little too long Sunday, bro. I see you. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of hats, um everybody knows I have a big head and I have no problem like saying it. I have a receding hairline too. I get it, right? So the Twitter jokes don't offend me. Um, so I got a buddy of mine named Lucas. He, he works for a minor league baseball team and they've got a cool hat. So I sent him some money. I said, like, hey, can you send me a hat? He's like, what size hat do you wear? I was like, I mean, I don't know. I, I normally wear like these, you know, snapback whatever ones, right? So um, I was like, I don't know my size. And so I picked one that's like on the larger side of things. Guys, I am, my head is huge. My head is Seven and five eighths. That's big. A big, big ass head. Yeah. Fucking yeah. head my, going over here. Hetty <laughs> Murphy over here, bro. He got by the name of the show. Oh shit! Good times, man. Good times. Hey, bro. I'll see you on Friday. Yeah, pull up on Friday, bro. Ready to hang out, ready to do some bullshit. Hey, again, uh, um, hey, uh, so you know, I'm gonna have some re- a lot of real free time coming up soon. So, so what's up, y'all? We trying to boat? Yeah, man, we gotta make we gotta make some shenanigans happen, man. Let's make some shenanigans happen. We can get out there and boat a little bit. I ain't trying to fish. I'm just trying to boat. I'm trying to just flex. I just want to, yeah, everybody I'm, on I'm, the clock like yeah, that. That's all I want to do. Well, everybody be at, you know at work in their office and whatnot. You know, yeah, I mean, man. Yeah. I, like how Dan do I'm, I'm out. Of, I'm gonna need you to stop there, buddy. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> I need you to stop. I'm gonna need you to stop there. Uh, <laughs> oh, cow! All right, boys. Uh, good show. Uh, thanks to uh, to Jack. Linda, is really waiting on your song, though, Dan. That's what the streets is really waiting on. That's what the vibes been telling me. I, I know, I know. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to my boy, Kip Moore. He's my favorite artist out there. Uh, he had a new album that came out very long, anticipated. Uh, I want to play every single song on there. So, Cam, if you can just throw the entire discography on there um, for or the entire album on there. I think it's like 45 minutes long. But we'll do um, – We'll do Paying Hard. That's a good one. Um, that one slaps, so I think the kids will like it. So Paying Hard by Kip Moore. I think the kids will like it? The kids will like it. I think I think um, the streets will like it. I might like it. Okay. The streets will like it. kids will like it. I might like it. You lie a lot on here, Dan, about your song. I do, I do, I do lie a lot. There's going to be a lot of Dan slander on the timeline. Probably not as much as It's always love Dan slander. That's the, that's the great thing about life. Yeah. Some people love that shit Dan playing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then some people are like, what the hell is Dan playing? That's the beautiful yeah. thing about life, man. <laughs> I love it. I love boys. Same time next week. Same show, man. Same corner, same time. You know the vibe. All right, boys. Heaven knows I've had me one hell of a time But like the night gives way to the morning light There's a pounding in my head again I'd be lying if I said I wasn't tired And I can't help but think of Janie and those pretty eyes 
Yes, she was sweet as berries on a summer vine. She had a heart of gold, we were burning coals, hotter than a sidewalk in July. At the expense of my heart, Lord, I've cast in my soul. Chose this old guitar before, the only love I've known. I gotta live with that, lose sleep with that. When I close my eyes, I'll die with that, yeah. My life's a credit card, play now, pay later, and I'm paying hard. Well, I've heard it said that moments come and then they pass. And it sure passed me by when I should have sold my dad. But I plugged it into another town, swore another chance would come around again. Yeah, I plugged it into another town, swore another chance would come around again. And now it's gone, that kind of gone that don't come back I wanna see you now in dreams that I have I gotta live with that, lose sleep with that When I close my eyes, I'll die with that, yeah My life's a credit card, play now, pay later And I'm paying hard So long, my friends, I guess this is my farewell Damn all these pennies swimming in my wishing well Told every single story that I have to tell I'll live with that, sleep with that Make my peace and I'll die with that, yeah My life's a credit card, play now, pay later And I'm paying hard And I'll live with that, sleep with that Make my peace and I'll die with that, yeah 